Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 75 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue with our study of the Come Follow Me materials for March the 8th to March the 14th, covering Doctrine and Covenants 23 to 26. Uh, and today we're looking at um, Doctrine and Covenants Section 25, finishing that at Revelation to Emma Smith. Now, uh, we finished yesterday around about verse 7, and I wanted to mention verse 7 because it says this, and I found the, the language in this verse interesting. It says, And now shalt be ordained under his hand to expound scriptures, and to exhort the church according as it shall be given thee by my spirit. Now what begins here, the Lord has spoken about kind of Emma's home uh, calling and, and responsibility, but now he's talking about the fact that she has a role to play in this restoration, and that uh, she was to be ordained to expound scriptures and exhort the church. Now, let me remind you that this is in 1830. And whilst, um, you know, some places and some denominations were accepting and um, promoting that the role of women within religious organisations, it was still a very much male-led um, kind of institution, you know, the, the religion. And it's very much different today. Um, but I think that our church the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even though sometimes it is um, criticised for being <coughs> male-centric in its leadership, actually, it, it really isn't. You think about the many roles that sisters can play in this church in leadership at, at a ward, at a stake, at an, er- at an area and a general area, um, a level, I should say. And that's been the case right from the beginning when that wasn't the case for many other churches at all. Uh, and I think that this is often forgotten. And I think it's forgotten because obviously the prophet and the quorum of the Twelve Apostles are male. Um, but I think that sisters, even more so when you look at the recent changes in the general handbook, are being given more and more of a role and a voice uh, in the leadership of all the areas and levels of our church. And I just am so grateful for that because they play such an important part. And I think that everyone has a, a right and a responsibility uh, to, to be part of the moving and the gathering of Israel on both sides of the veil. In verse 7, uh, we've just read about how she was ordained under his hand to expound scripture. Uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley said this, quote, She was to be a teacher. She was to be a teacher of righteousness and truth. For the Lord said concerning this calling to her, Thou shalt receive the Holy Ghost, and thy time shall be given to writing and to learning much. She was to study the gospel. She was also to study the things of the world in which she lived. That was made clear in the subsequent revelations applicable to all of us. She was to devote her time to learning much. She was to write, giving expression to her thoughts. Close quote. She was ordained. And obviously this isn't necessarily saying that she was ordained to a role, uh, to an office in the priesthood. But she was ordained nonetheless. She was given priesthood power in which to expound scriptures and to exhort the church. Uh, and just recently, in one of the recent new uh, Leahona magazines, I was going to say Enzyme, uh, but what, in one of the Leahona magazines, I believe it is the March one that I'm reading right now, there was a great article about, um, early in the in the magazine, about sisters um, serving in the priesthood and how they use priesthood power. And we obviously had the um, the talk, I think it was now in April 2020, uh, by a couple of individuals, President Alan H. Jokes was one, 
And then I believe it was Sister Jean B. Bingham as well of the Relief Society, uh, president. Uh, and they talked a lot about sisters using priests of power as well. And it's clear here that Emma is being given this as well so that she can serve and play a role in the church. Speaking of which, and speaking of Emma's role in the church, uh, we know that she was then given another uh, invitation, which played a big part in the coming forth of the restoration. In verse 11, it says, And it shall be given thee also to make a selection of sacred hymns, as it shall be given thee, which is pleasing unto thee to be had in my church. She was given a big responsibility in putting together hymns for the church to sing. Uh, Stephen E. Snow said this, uh, quote, Emma assembled a collection of hymns which first appeared in this Kirtland hymnal in 1836. There were only 90 songs included in this thin little book. Many of them were hymns from Protestant faiths. Uh, say, sorry, Protestant faiths. At least 26 of them were written by William W. Feltz, who later prepared and assisted in the printing of the hymnal. Only the lyrics were written. No musical notes accompanied the texts. This humble little hymnal proved to be a great blessing to the early members of the church. Close quote. As we know, we are awaiting a brand new hymn book uh, in our church. I know we have been for a few couple of years now. Uh, and I, I honestly, it's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most, to, to most in the, in the near future. Um, I love the hymns of the church. And I think music has such an important power uh, to be able to open a conduit to heaven for us to receive the Holy Ghost. And the fact that Emma Smith played a very important part in bringing these together uh, is of great importance. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. And in verse 12, it continues and says, For my soul delighteth in the song of the heart, yea, the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me, and it shall be answered with a blessing upon their heads. We, we know when we talk about often in this church about the importance of the hymns and singing the hymns in the church. And it is a great blessing uh, for us. President Dan H. Oaks talked about the importance of hymns and said this, quote, The music of sacrament meeting is a vital part of our worship. The scriptures teach that the song of the righteous is a prayer unto the Lord. The First Presidency has declared that some of the greatest sermons are preached by the singing of hymns. How wonderful when every person in attendance joins in the worship of singing, especially in the hymn that helps to prepare to partake of the sacrament. All sacrament planning music requires, sorry, all sacrament meeting music requires careful planning, always remembering that this music is for worship, not for performance, close quote. I think that um, we often talk about the hymns and how sometimes, you know, things are done with the hymns, which are to kind of perform or to kind of focus on practicing hymn, hymn singing. And that's not what it's about. The What it's about is picking the hymns that are the most appropriate for that sacrament meeting, for that um, topic of what's going to be spoken about, or, or whatever is felt is right at that time, and to allow the saints to sing with full purpose of heart and with meaning uh, in their worship. And it's a great blessing uh, to have these things, so that we can worship and we can praise the Lord with that, with that singing. So at the end of this, um, the the Lord gives Emma a couple more um, directions. Uh, he says in verse 13, Wherefore, lift up thy heart and rejoice and cleave unto the covenants which thou hast made. And I think that we must remember that, you know, we talk a lot about covenants. Uh, you know, you hear what you hear. 
if you look at in a general conference, you know, collection of talks, you'll find the word covenants very much throughout. But this is something which was was there at the start of the church as well. Uh, Sister Barbara Thompson said this, quote, The Bible dictionary tells us that a covenant is a contract made between God and man. God, in his good pleasure, fixes the terms which man accepts. The gospel is so arranged that principles and ordinances are received by covenant, placing the recipient under strong obligation and responsibility to honour the commitment. In the phrase cleave unto covenants, the word cleave means to adhere firmly and closely to something. In the scriptures, we learn of men and women who have made covenants with God. God has given instructions on what to do to honour these covenants. And then, as those covenants have been kept, the promised blessings have followed. Close quote. In this uh, message to uh, Emma Smith, we learn of the importance of covenants, which applies to all of us. Uh, and let us remember that as we live our day-to-day lives, these covenants play an important part of our day-to-day living. They should remind us who we are, that we, we have been said that we have been willing to, to take upon us the name of Christ, uh, and that should be with us as we move forward. Um, thank you very much for listening to this today. Uh, we have one more uh, study on this these sections tomorrow, which we'll move into section 26 for, learning about common consent. Uh, but thank you for listening today. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it. Please make sure you're subscribed to it so you can receive every episode as they arrive. And um, and also you can uh, email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you have any feedback, questions, or if you'd love to join in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for your time, and until we meet again. <laughs>